0: You are Locked On Hawks, your daily Atlanta Hawks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network,
1: your team every day.
0: Hello, friends, welcome to episode 589 of the Locked On Hawks podcast. I am your host, Brad Roland. It is Tuesday evening, uh, less than 48 hours from now. The draft will be taking place and uh, join me today to discuss all the latest chatter and buzz and whatever word you want to use is the great Tower Jones. What's up, man?
1: So, so we're here to discuss the uh, latest episode of Attack on Titan. Is that is that what you have me on for? It's sure, weird.
0: whatever you want to talk about, Tyler. It's always a, <laughs> no, 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 no. no. Of course not. Of course not.
1: <laughs> it's a
0: uh, it's a pleasure to have you. In fact, you were on. I checked. I think it was like five weeks ago. We covered a lot of ground. And by the way, we'll, we'll I'll plug this now for the sake of. Uh, good friend of the program Kevin Shenard you uh, did an hour with Kevin yesterday on ATl and twenty nine so people should definitely listen to that um you and I go along often and it may not happen today because um, you have shared lots of opinions and I appreciate that but you and I were talking uh earlier both in public on Twitter and in private about all of the latest uh you know trade up scenario stuff and I wanted to bring it on here if that's all right with you let's uh, let's just wrap about it a little bit
1: yeah all right let me preface this by saying that I wouldn't be trading up. Um, it's this is a weird situation where me and Brad kind of both agree on this draft being flat, and you know, there's really like the, you get you can get good value at eight and ten instead of trading up to four or five to get somebody. But that's not really where the argument comes in. The argument is if Slight does it, is it? a bad value play which I think is a lot I think it's more complex than, than I, my argument is this it's it's a more complex decision than looking at the looking at the uh, draft value chart and just saying "Well, this is way too much for to move up you know five I, I agree spots. With
0: that. I agree with that for sure just for the record I, I do agree with you on that
1: um so it's I mean it's complicated by this The Hawks desperately need a wing. And they need a big wing that is profiled to be good defensively. There are only so many of those in the NBA. There's only so many of those you can draft in the draft. And as it stands now, there's really three guys who the Hawks want, want, uh, who they've been linked at for, actually it's now four, who they've been linked at the eight spot, which is Culver, Hunter, Reddish, and Little. And yep. They've they they're the four big two way wing prospects that the Hawks have been linked to. I guess what the issue is currently is that you're almost guaranteed that two of those guys are going to be there at eight. Like that's just how the draft is going to be playing out. However, what it seems like is Schlenk. Has his own personal tier list where it might be either Hunter or Culver at you know at just at a completely different tier than the rest of the rest of the wings, which I guess we could argue is justifiable or not. It it I would say no, but you know, I mean, Slank like kind of has a proven track record, so who knows? So we we just gotta like to me one we're we're talking about a theoretical trade up. Sure. It hasn't happened yet. We don't know the specifics. We don't know what the Hawks are actually looking for. But you know, I think we can both understand it from this front. Uh, you know, if they're trading up for Covert, that makes sense because Covert can he has upside to be a potential star in this league. I, I think I think that, you know, people might disagree with that. But, uh, you know, covert, he's relatively big, 6'6, 6'9 wingspan. He's got a good frame. He's probably going to be around his peak, 208 or so, when he gets to add grown man weight. And he plays big, too, so that helps. He's physical, he's a good on ball defender. Um, you know, he just does a lot of things. He doesn't have many holes in his game. The biggest weakness right now is his inconsistent jumper, which he has worked on. And made leaps and bounds from his freshman year where he couldn't make a pull up jumper to his sophomore year, which he could, and that just opened up the floor for him. So like Culver is the swing prospect. If the Hawks are all in on him, I completely understand them going all in trading eight and ten.
0: Yeah, I mean it's it's interesting. You know, just to, by the way, just to say this out loud, the the reporting that sort of started this all again today was from Jonathan Gavoni of ESPN, and he uh, basically noted that the Hawks, I'm going to read this now word for word, quote, have been aggressive in exploring trades, packaging the number eight and 10 picks to move up in the draft. Their offer to the Knicks for number three was apparently rebuffed, and the Pelicans are considering the possibility of trading number four for eight and 10, end quote there. So that's the backdrop of this thing. And, you know, for a while now, including like the last several guests that I've had on, including you, we've talked talked about this a lot in terms of just the theoretical trade-up scenarios, especially after they got the third first-round pick in the Torian Prince trade. And I've kind of been resigned for a while to the fact that the Hawks will probably, I won't say definitely, but probably move up um, just because of all the buzz that's out there. It'd be kind of a surprise now if they didn't make a trade um, somewhere, and probably that, that includes moving up. With that said, the the big thing here, I think, and what caused more reaction was, I mean, the Knicks thing is interesting. There was this, this stray rumor back in like the, at the end of May about the Knicks and uh, 3 for 8 and 10, and it seems like the Knicks are not, are not going to do that. Um, and that would have brought R.J. Barrett into the fold. And I guess, technically, um, if you believe the... Uh, the stray stuff out there about Darius Garland number three. I guess Barrett could be in theory on the board at number four. That's probably uh, more of a pipe dream, though. I, I would say. But regardless, the the theory of this whole thing is now um, that eight and ten for four is on the board. There's been plenty of speculation, including by me and others, about like eight and seventeen or whatever pack, whatever package. But it seems like it's going to take eight and ten to get to four. And if that's where they want to go that's where the value proposition kicks in. And you're right. And I've said this before. I think eight and 10 for four is an overpay. And I will I will stand with that. I will stick to that. With that said, and this is one thing I think that you and I agree with on this, is that, you know, if the Hawks value one of these guys, um and for me, and I think for you, Culver is that guy for both of us out of all these players. You can correct me if I'm wrong in a second. But if the Hawks view one of these guys as significantly better, Than the rest of them, if they have their guy, quote unquote, their guy in this class, and they go get him, I understand that, I really do. And you know, for me, it would be Culver if I have to choose. Maybe it's Hunter. There's been the reporting out there that uh, you know Hunter's the only, uh, Hunter, sorry, the Hawks are the only team that's worked out DeAndre Hunter that he agreed to a workout to. There's interest there. Apparently, the same with Culver. There's been plenty of reporting, and then of course the Cam Reddish stuff, but. Culver would be the guy, if it was me and you told me I, I had to trade up for somebody, it would be Culver. Um I don't I still don't love the value of that just because of how I feel about the class overall and how flat I think it is, but Culver is my favorite of those guys, and if the Hawks view him as like, you know, substantially better than everybody else, um, with the extra picks they have, I totally understand the thinking. It's not a situation where I'm like recoiling at the thought of trading up for J.R. Culver. Um, I understand it totally. I just think that. Giving up eight and ten to do it is a little bit of an overpay, but listen, even the even the trade chart that I've been citing, which is Kevin Pelton's um, from ESPN, even he acknowledges on the trade chart that you know most of the time to trade up you have to overpay the trade chart. That's like the reality of that. Uh, just because you know trading up is usually something where you're looking to pay a premium to get a player that's fallen, you know, either fallen too far or at the end of a tier or something like that, and teams know. What they can extract, and the Pelicans, you know, smartly, David Griffin's not as not as silly GM. He's going to extract. He's, he's going to ask for eight and ten, as he absolutely should, and he shouldn't take less. Frankly, if you're if you're number four pick, you're in the driver's seat now, and you know that a team below you wants to come up and get him. You should just put down the table and say, look, it's eight and ten or it's nothing. Uh, so you know, at the end of the day, is it going to surprise me if they trade eight and ten for four at this point? Absolutely not. And I won't kill them for it. I mean, I'll be on record as saying that I don't love the value, but. If they if they do it for, for Jarrett Culver, I totally understand that. If they do it for Cam Reddish, which some Hawks fans would like to do, then I will criticize it just because I I don't want really to see that. But if it's for Culver, I'm on record about the value, but I I do understand the thinking, and there is a premium placed on two way wings, and the Hawks need one badly. I mean, there's no ifs ands or buts about it. The Hawks don't have that guy on the roster right now. Um, their best their best two way wing players right now. Um, I mean, Kevin Herter is uh, is safe, obviously, but he's more of a um. He's offense first. The defense is going to be interesting, but their best like traditional two way wings are Kent Bazemore and Andre neither of which are going to be all long term probably. Maybe Bembry will be, but it's in, in, definitely in a secondary role. They, they don't have a starting small four on this roster or anything close to it, so they need to have somebody in this class. And uh, if it's Culver, or if it's Hunter, if they want to get their guy and they and they view that guy as their guy, then you know go ahead and do it.
1: I mean, the fascinating thing about Culver is he's probably not a you know a three either. Yeah, I, I agree. But, but he he is, as you as you noted earlier, he he is he plays it, he plays he plays, big. he plays like he plays big. So I I think he he'll be fine in the NBA playing the three. I don't regardless. Not, like I think
0: it's not perfect in that he's not. 6'8, 6, 6'9, 6, 220, like those other guys are. Like the difference the difference in size between Culver versus Reddish Little and Hunter is significant. It does matter. You know, if, if Culver had actually been the height that he was listed at all year, it would have been kind of a problem. But um, he ended up being taller than that because he clearly grew in college to like where he's like he's a legit almost six seven now, um, with a six ten wingspan or so. Like he's not He's not too small. Like I agree, he's more of a protypical shooting guard size. But like him and RJ, RJ Barrett are similar sized. Barrett's thicker, but length wise, and no one's really questioning Barrett as a three. You know, I think Culver ideally might be a two. But Kevin Herter's legit six seven two. He's not super long. Like I think they're okay if they're playing Kevin Herter and Jared Culver together.
1: Yeah, and so like to me. If the Hawks do trade up, Oakland, if they do trade up, I think it would just say that they have Colver number two on the draft board, like overall, um, or or at least or at least you,
0: maybe uh, a clear like second tier alongside Barrett, perhaps. Like maybe they th- maybe yeah. they, th- they just think that Barrett's maybe they would rather have Barrett. But you know, maybe they have Barrett and Culver in their own tier kind of thing, which that would make sense too. Because Barrett's the value of Barrett in the draft, like you can quibble and like I've gone back and forth on having Culver ahead of Barrett. But I think just the 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 trade value of RJ Barrett is substantially higher than Culver, just in the league and the way the league views those two guys. I would
1: imagine. Yeah, and it's I mean it's just a function of how RJ Barrett plays. You know that at the end of the day, even if the jump shot isn't there day one, he's going to be a a menace around the paint like he's going to get to the rim he's going to try to finish through contact he's going to draw a lot of fouls against bad defenders like you know he has value on that end of the floor the interesting thing about culver is like if if we keep it like if we can just be honest with ourselves if culver's jump shot never left him um like from where he was from the beginning of the season towards and then where he was at the end he's probably being drafted number two overall in this draft. Like he was like before, before like he had a, he was shooting some crazy around 45% from three point. But more importantly, he was just knocking down every pull up mid range yeah. that he took. That's and true. that, yeah. And that really opened up his game. And when that left him, you know, he found ways to be effective, but he clearly wasn't the same basketball player. So, Cobra's value ultimately is tied to his jump shot, and you either believe it's going to go down at the next level or you don't. So, it, it, you know, it's a gamble to to make that trade up for Cobra, and it might not be Cobra. It might be Hunter, which you know that would be interesting. They they'd probably be wagering just on the fact that how huge he is, and and on the on you know that he's you know big, and he's probably already good, uh, you know, so. It's going to be fascinating to see what the Hawks do. I don't know, and it's difficult to like pre-be angry that the Hawks are doing something or whatever. Here's, here's another justification for why the Hawks It probably wouldn't be too bad if they, they did trade up, is that Oh, I, I feel like how this draft is going to go, the player they want at 10 is probably going to be there at 17. Um, I think this draft is flatter than you, just in general, and more so... So many teams don't need bigs, and the Hawks don't need a big either, but they can find value in one at 17 compared to 10, to which might – you know, getting that 17th pick kind of opened them up to do whatever they want because at the end of the day, they're going to have – like I feel like by the end of the draft night on Thursday, the Hawks are going to have at least two first-round draft picks. Like they're going to draft two guys in the first round, you know, and and in this draft where – there really isn't these big delineation of talent, like I, you know, the tiers, the, you know, it's Zion. Like to me, it's always been Zion and really just everybody else. And yep. it's an eye of the beholder draft. And for the Hawks, if they have their eye set on one guy, I wouldn't have a problem with them not settling for, let's say, Cam Reddish. Who, while I like Cam Reddish, I can understand the hesitancy. Of drafting him and then plugging him right away to being your starting three, like that, like if day one Cam Reddish is the best wing, you know, two you know two way wing on the Hawks roster, that's not good. Like come come his rookie season, Um, yeah. I mean, with how with how bad he was
0: in college, you can't expect him to be good as a rookie. It's just not probably not going to happen.
1: Yeah, even though he even though he has the tools to be good and even be great. Oh yeah, I agree. Day one, you kind of. Like, Day One, that's risky. Whereas, whereas, you know, Culver or Hunter, you know, you can expect some level of competency because they were both good in college. Like, I, I I do think that that can't be understated. You know, Hunter and Culver were good. They were the best basketball players on their respective title contending team. And, you know, that I feel like there should be some, you know, while, while their statistical models don't, you know, Show out to be the best. Like at the end of the day, they were both the best basketball teams on one of the you know best basketball players on 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 two of the best teams in the country. So I don't know. It's I mean, who knows? Who knows what the Hawks are going to do, man? I (laughs) man, I I feel like like honestly, like I think I think I'm with you that the eight and ten they're probably going to trade up for eight and ten. But man, they Slank has. Slank is known to swerve, man. He'll he'll do what do whatever he feels like. He for the Hawks, so I there's like really no point in just projecting ahead of what the Hawks are going to do or what they should do. Because I mean that's that's the great thing about Slank, honestly. It's like he doesn't care, and I feel like that is that is such a great uh you know great asset for your general manager that he just functionally does not care what the experts say what he should do on draft night. Uh, no, he doesn't. You know, I mean, he does. That's. I mean, that's the truth. Like we saw it. Not. Not. Forget the Trey Young thing. Go back to drafting John Collins at 19. I need people to remember Collins was sliding because teams didn't thought he was a center. He was six eight, you know, without shoes. Six eight. He was like two fifteen, two twenty, and you know, outside of you know, rim running. You know, teams saw his defense. Were like, "Oh no, we can't have that. Like, that's not, it's not a good basketball player. Like, he, you know, it's the modern NBA says players play this certain way. John Collins doesn't fit this mold. It doesn't matter how talented he is, his skill set doesn't match how where the NBA is going. And Schleck went like 19. Uh, I don't care. Oh, He's he was thrilled. Coach, I mean,
0: having been there that night and standing in front of him after the guy. I mean, he was genuinely thrilled that Collins fell to them. Like, he, he they were trying to trade up for John Collins at one point. Like, they were – you know, he, he gets – um, he has his convictions and he's a very confident guy. You know, there's this notion out there, and I agree with it, and you just said it too, that the Hawks are really difficult to project right now. In fact, Sam Messini, who was just on this podcast last week – wrote today, and I'm, I'm, I'm going to quote here real quick, the Hawks are the team who wins the award for most unclear information in the industry this draft season, end quote. Which made me laugh because it's like a nice throwback to uh, the old days when, they, when the Hawks never leaked anything under under Danny Ferry. Um, Schlank, And now this, they
1: just leak everything. I was about now to say they that. leak everything. Like, I was about what? to say that exact same Everywhere thing. Like, they leak like is crazy. true and not true at the same time. So it's like get, just try to figure out what we're trying to do.
0: It's, it's, I was about to say the same thing. It's like, you know, Travis Slickett and this front office is not shy about sharing information, but they also share everything. So it's really difficult. Like right now, as you said it earlier, they've been publicly linked to four different guys. And that doesn't even include RJ Barrett, who they might actually want. I mean, it wouldn't blow me away. I mean, the Knicks are not going to apparently do that three for eight and ten trade, but that, that could have been for RJ Barrett too. Like they could be linked to four or five different guys within one tier essentially and that's um you know that's kind of playing the game in, a, in an interesting way and it, it's throwing everybody off which is good if, if you're a Hawks fan it, it it plays into your advantage if the team is a wild card in the draft and they absolutely are the Hawks you know the Pelicans kind of hold the draft now at number four and just ha- kind of have the keys to it because that's the that's the first pick where it's like real uncertainty but other than that the Hawks and maybe the Celtics. Are these teams that have all this capital and they're willing to throw it around? You know, Boss is in this weird spot now with Al Horford's apparently going to leave, which is interesting. Um, and maybe that. Ah,
1: and- oh, Al Horford. man, Did I gotta he, give credit credit to Al Horford, man. He, oh, man, he is very good at the breakup, isn't he? Like he just he's just at the right time. He's just, he's just, just out.
0: Yeah, I mean, uh, he, I reaches, was, he
1: leaves like uh, nope, nope. I'm not. I'm not with this. Go well, on. listen. If they're not going to
0: pay him, uh, if they're not going to pay him, uh, go get your money, Al. Like Al's going to get money from somebody. Um, he's he fits everywhere, and he's if still he, very good if at basketball. He wants, and... He's
1: going to get near max. Like he's just going like, to. We saw in the playoffs. Teams need teams in general. Like here's a. It's not even two way bigs. Two teams just need basketball players who are good on offense and defense. Yep. Period. At any position. Like because they. There's just not that many of them. I mean, you're, 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 you're on my you're on my like,
0: podcast where I'm I'm well known for talking about how the Hawks need defensive players, and this is part of that part of that thing. Like every single team that look at the Raptors, man, like the Raptors won, just won the title because they basically had no weaknesses. Like they had nobody that they could get exposed on defense with. Like there were guys who were better than others, but every single guy in their eight man rotation could play defense, and that is not a coincidence. They needed they needed that to actually they work. Could, they,
1: they could play defense. And they couldn't make an open 3 corner. Exactly. You know, really, like really, they were they were kind of what the Hawks were trying to do with the sixty-one team, except they had Kawhi Leonard as their superstar, <laughs> that's what and they had Kawhi like, Leonard. <laughs> exactly. So it's yeah. I mean, no, that's the I, like Masai Ujiri built the ideal team. You know that that's 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 the ideal. That's what every no. basketball yeah. team is trying to build today. In, by the, in the, by the end of the so, season
0: and all the trades they made and getting Gasol and all the stuff that, I mean, even you know, Norm Powell coming out of the woodwork to be okay again. And yeah, I mean, they, they had, they had it locked in to where I obviously they got some good fortune along the way, but like they constructed a roster that makes perfect sense. And when we talk about, Stuff at the highest levels of the league, um, avoiding weaknesses is a really important thing too. That can't be overstated. Like there's guys, even obviously the Warriors had all those injury issues and et cetera, et cetera. But at the, you know by the time they were playing on the highest level, they had guys on the floor that could only play one way, and that is uh, it's tough to do that. So, and if um, we can
1: if we can circle back to the Hawks real quick, yeah, let's do it. That's why it's so important that whoever the Hawks draft here, whichever big wing they get is a defensive stalwart like and I think that's the ultimately the issue that that Travis Slank is going by because he knows he has this big weakness and Trey Young on the defensive end at the moment I think Trey can get to somewhere where he's passable but come playoff time it's just going to be a struggle to hide him so you need like you need disruptive forces on the defensive end and uh, and Slank also wants at the same time good offensive basketball players who can dribble past sheep. Like he wants he wants the perfect basketball player. And that's you know, that guy doesn't exist in this draft except for us, Zion Williamson. Um
0: yeah I mean that's uh... who's who's
1: closest but who's close but if you want to make really it be like if you want to bring it back, the closest two way basketball player who can do everything on offense and is a good defender is Cover. I I don't think it's particularly close, um, with his ability. He's a great passer for his size and, you know, he has a growing developing jump shot that he's, you know, getting better at year by year. And then on defense, he's like, to me, I hear, I hear the issues people say with him defensively, but I, I mean, when he's locked in and he wants to shut somebody down, like he can do it. Um, especially one-on-one, he has great hands. He's very disruptive. Um, against dribblers. And to me, I'm like, oh yeah, I'd love for him to be on the Hawks. So, and I could see Schlank falling in love with him in particular and be like, that's the guy I want. I don't care what it takes to get him. Because what we don't want to have is a repeat of what happened when the Hawks had promised Giannis and they didn't trade up to get him. And they settled for two guys who are no longer on the Hawks anymore.
0: Yeah, Um, that's the, uh, that's certainly the disaster scenario. I mean, obviously, Culver isn't going to be honest, probably, but it's just one of those things, man, like you got to be, uh, and that's at the end of the day, if they do what they're rumored to do and trade up, you know, I'll come on here and say, look, they went and got their guy and you know, everything that I've said is on the record about how I think about it, but I totally understand and will, and will defend the go get your guy corollary, particularly when you had this many picks. Um, if you view a guy as better, and they clearly would be viewing that guy as better, you just go, you go get him and uh, trust your convictions. It doesn't mean that everybody has to agree with it, including me, but like it's definitely defensible and it makes uh, makes a lot of sense. Um, we're we're gonna take a quick break and then come back and continue this conversation. So uh, stay tuned for a quick word from our old sponsors. All right, Tyler, we're back and um, and we we're talking hold about. Hold on, hold on.
1: Be- go ahead. Before anything else, can can I can I give a eulogy to the Torian Prince, good good friend of the pod. Oh my goodness. Yeah, I guess I guess we haven't talked in this forum since the trade, so no, by, by all means. We have not. Well, I have not. I don't even I don't even think I talked to, with about this with Kevin. Um Oh,
0: then get it off. You got it to. Fire away.
1: I am so happy Travis Slank <laughs> continues to trade <laughs> basketball players I hate watching play. Torian Prince and Dennis Shooter are two of the most frustrating basketball players I've ever had to watch. Uh Torian even more so than Dennis for all of Dennis's flaws uh you know it might ultimately just come down to a talent issue with him Torian Torian is already one of the best catch and shoot three point uh three point, um wings in today's NBA like th- the numbers bear that out he's a great spot up shooter and he's a terrible basketball player it's stunning how bad he is defensively like it's remarkable how terrible he is It can't be stressed. He's one of the worst. He was one of the worst basketball players in the NBA last season. He turned it up a bit at the end of the season, like he did the year before when the games didn't matter. Um, But when he, he can't pass, you know, he don't, you know, he can't get to the rim and finish if he has a lane, but he's not really that athletic. And defensively, he just doesn't pay attention. Like he flat out doesn't pay attention. He doesn't read the floor on either end of the court. He he doesn't play with effort. He doesn't play with energy. And I'm super glad that he's not on the team anymore because I was, I was done. Like, I was done watching him play. Like, and, you know, it sucks that he couldn't get it together in Atlanta where he had the opportunity, where he, you know, he was in a good developmental environment for him. You know, he got, he both he and Dan Schroeder got the best the NBA has to offer for a young basketball player. And see neither of those guys who had the talent to be good in this league take advantage of it was disappointing. Uh, you know, he's gonna to go to Brooklyn. Apparently they're gonna try him at the four. Good luck with that. You know, the <laughs> biggest reason why the Hawks the biggest reason why the Hawks couldn't play John Collins at the five ever with Torian on the floor is because Torian was such a nothing burger on the defensive glass. He's such a weakling. It's who He's he no longer here,
0: uh, though. Brad. My, my my favorite stat so of happy. all time, I think, is uh, Torian Prince and Jalen Adams have the same defensive rebound rate this year.
1: It's remarkable.
0: It's remarkable. Really, it really is. For it's not like six eight two
1: twenty. And, and, and what's what's mesmerizing is when he did get a defensive rebound, he could you know push the ball up the floor and you know do something you know in transition, and it'd be like, well, Torian, if you want to be a great scorer, you could just grab every defensive rebound, but oh no, you're not going to do that, even though you're six eight. With a seven foot wingspan, two hundred twenty pounds, but okay. Uh, I mean, he, he just doesn't pay attention. But you know, I'm glad he's gonna he's on he and Kyrie Irving gonna yuck it up. Uh, <laughs> so good luck to them in Brooklyn with uh, Torrin.
0: I'm glad uh, we had the opportunity for you to unleash that. I think I think you're waiting on it for like two weeks. So uh, I'm I'm proud of you. That was good. Um, it's ah. actually a good segue, to be honest with you, because we were gonna I was gonna ask about the 17th pick. You talked about it earlier and how flat this this, this draft is in your opinion. Do you you know when when you say as I think you did earlier that you think that they can get a quality player that's like worthy of like the number ten pick at number seventeen? Are you envisioning some of these mock scenarios that have like guys like Gogo or Jackson Hayes or Brandon Clark falling that far? And as a mild curveball, does Boston losing Al Horford make that scarier for you? Because that's that's the one spot now. Like one of the theories around you know one of those guys falling to seventeen is that all those teams from like eleven to sixteen don't need center and now Boston kind of needs a center which kind of which could mess it up. I'm not saying it's going to, but it could add a little wrinkle to consider.
1: Uh no, because it's not just a center. And I don't think the Hawks specifically need a center like the I am with you on that
0: 100% by the way.
1: I've been on, I've like, I'm talking I'm talking about, you know, Nasir Little, Kevin Porter is apparently um killing it in pre-draft interviews because you know people are back on that hype train again and you know Kevin Porter's is a great talent uh you know Nazir little might slip Keldon Johnson you know he would have been the, you and, and I both like I mean, Keldon Johnson would draft him at 10 he wouldn't be that at 10 but I continue to look at him and be like so wait what exactly is he bad at again why why are we so down on somebody who has a functional jump shot already like he I, is I he feel is the like,
0: prototypical do everything pretty well and nothing great guy and but the problem is well, I guess the good thing is, in this case, is that that guy on the wing in the NBA is actually super valuable. <laughs> like he doesn't—he doesn't really inspire anybody that much, but he also doesn't kill you. And every team in the league needs that guy. So.
1: And what what I heard, you know, I was listening to a variety of you know pre-draft podcasts. Uh, I believe it was from uh, the rights to Ricky Sanchez. They do. Uh, they do their own draft boards. They have a multitude of scouts and, you know, guys like Kevin O'Connor come on to talk about the draft just in general. And They had a guy who based more, and I'm forgetting his name, apologies, but um, they, they had a guy who basically um, compared Keldon Johnson to possibly being Justin Anderson. And to me, I'm like, hold up. Are you telling me the Hawks could draft Justin Anderson with a proven jump shot? Because to me, his jumper is proven. Like that, that thing spot up wise is cash money. You know it's not great, but it's good enough. It's solid, and yeah. and like I sign me up. You know, sign me up for that. You know, at seventeen, Kevin Porter again has all the talent in the world, and um, you know, he's somebody with a, a another guy with a proven jump shot, and he's huge. You know, he he profiles as a two guard, but you know, with his size, length, and athleticism, you you know, you he, he's a big wing, so. You know he's a he's a guy if he can clean up you know the stuff that that off the court issues that we really don't have the knowledge to discuss about you know he's a, he's a quality talent at seventeen and you know I've talked enough about Nasir Little nobody knows where how his draft day is going to go he he's somebody who can potentially slide just based on you know his lack of production at North Carolina even though you know we both agree he wasn't really that bad at. Chapel Hill he just didn't fit the team like like to me again I will say it again for like the umpteenth time Nasir Little didn't get on the floor because he couldn't shoot like he, his jumper wasn't reliable and you know the Tar Heels already had two All-Americans at his position who were great shooters uh, Cam Johnson is the best shooter in the draft like he wasn't going to take the ball from Cam Johnson Nasir Little is somebody he, you know he's a young guy coming onto a, a veteran basketball team and you know, his skill set wasn't really needed. Like they they just didn't need what he had to offer. And so like I, I feel that, you know, if you get him in the NBA level, I think his jumper can't get there. yada yada yada. If the Hawks can get to him at 17, that's you know, fantastic. And then of course we can talk about the three bigs: Jackson Hayes, Goga, and you know, even Brandon Clark. Like, I still feel like even with Boston's recent Tumultuous off season. <laughs> uh, hate, hate to see it. Hate to see it. Yeah, but, well, uh, I, I really
0: enjoyed Hawks fans because uh, they're you know I think newer Hawks fans don't have the same uh, vitriol for the for Boston, but if you've been a Hawks fan for a long time, you probably hate the Celtics. And uh, most of my Twitter uh, replies were uh, pretty fun after the Al Horford and Kyrie
1: Irving news broke this evening. Oh man, it's just. I mean, and bring it to boston for a second you know boston not maximizing those picks brad how many drafts did they have where they just drafted nothing bird prospects because they couldn't trade them away like yeah what's a what's, uh, big what's the big fella um uh, they they drafted a multitude of very large very thick basketball players who had no chance in the nba in the first sure. round Here
0: are some some draft picks in the recent past for Boston. I know we're in a rabbit hole, but I'm enjoying this anyway. Um, R.J. Hunter was a first-round pick for the Celtics. Uh, Gershon Yabusele, Ante Zizic uh, was a first-round pick, Um, and and then, of course, Robert Williams this last year, who might still be okay. Um, Other than that, it was a bunch of second-rounders, none of which really worked out that well other than... I, I still kind of like Seminodela, but not in like in a great way. They the one I think it was twenty sixteen they had a million second rounders and none of them worked out. Um, you know, Ben Bentel, Demetrius Jackson, um, just a lots of lots of
1: basketball players that are. A not lot of still a lot of basketball players who they didn't have time to they Oh, James Young? The, uh there's some dude from Syracuse. I'm forgetting his name. Who oh, Fab Mello back immediate... in
0: twenty twelve. Yeah, yeah, Fab I'm Mello.
1: Immediate flame out. You knew it the day they drafted him, and you know that's that's why you you know you trade up even if it's not good value. It's like okay, but you know we only have so not only do we only have so many spots, we only have so many minutes to give way to young basketball players. The Hawks, the issue with the Hawks is that they're not talent deprived at this moment, and at least in top end talent, they have a lot of dudes already who are kind of you know, either good or neat minutes or they're still trying to develop in Bimbury's case. And so there's only so many minutes to go around. Do, do you really want to throw picks away where you're just going to draft the guy, you know, at, you know, at 10, like you're just going to draft, you, you're going to draft, an, you know, another wing who might not play there or draft some, you know, draft a big who might at 35 who may never see the floor, may never see a chance in Atlanta when you had the opportunity to trade up to get somebody you actually wanted. So, you know, it's there, there's a value chart and then there's a law of diminishing returns and the Hawks are kind of caught in between those two right now. But like to me, I to me, I don't I don't care what Schlenk does. He can draft six rookies like I don't buy this notion that he can't bring six rookies in the camp. Well, if, no. he had,
0: if he hadn't said it so definitively, it would be, uh, I would be with you. Like I, I'm, you know, last year I was famously talking about, I, I didn't understand why they wouldn't just bring in four rookies. It didn't make any sense to me. And I didn't want to, and I, I couldn't figure out why. Um, this I mean six is a lot obviously but you know even when they had five he was like no we're not going to bring five in so that was the signal like don't worry about it we're gonna we're gonna do something but I'm kind of with you in general like I would just take all the swings but the second rounders I mean they're going to trade at least they're going to try to trade up Slank said that candidly like I was pretty surprised about how candid he was but that was that was on Friday to the media and he even said like our goal with those picks is to, is to trade up basically and I was like okay that's that's fine and, and useful. Um, you know, at the end I of the day, mean, you, know, you they- go away with three, four guys in this class that you like versus six that you, you know, g- give me three, give me three guys that I like. So if that means, you know, trading eight and 10, staying 17 and then packaging your, your seconds for one more first rounder, like at 28 or something, then that that's fine. Just give me guys that make sense, but use your capital. Like don't, don't sell picks. Like he said, they weren't going to sell picks that, you know, the Lakers famously. Now we're going to try to buy picks and people are like, Oh, but what about the Hawks? I'm like, why would you want to root for your team to sell a pick? All that does is give the owner money. It doesn't add to your salary cap. It just puts money in Tony Russell's pocket. So selling a pick is a disaster. Don't ever do that. Um, at least trade it in the future if you don't want to use it. But just use those picks in the best way possible. I mean, it's it's tough slash impossible to project what's actually going to happen all the way up and down the board here. But just maximize value in whatever way that you can. If that means trading up, then trade up. If that means trade down, then trade down. Um, you know, If you get to seventeen and all of your guys are gone and you get an offer from Boston for like 20 and 22 or something like that you just take it. I mean, it's not I'm just making stuff up now, but it's not a situation where you have to stay at 17 even. You could move up from 17. If they if they find somebody that's falling to 14 15, if they want Gogo Batasi and he's still on the board at 15 and they can offer 17 and 35 for 15, sure. Like go get your guy. It's it's fine. Yeah,
1: I mean, that's the thing. Like Schlink did Slank did all his. Slank did all the work ahead of time, so that on draft night he can do whatever he wanted to get the guys he wanted. You know, value chart be damned. And again, this draft is flat, and that it's flat at the top, but it's also flat at the bottom. Like, you know, Chuma Chuma Okiki because he got hurt might be somebody in the second round, and that's somebody I would love for the Hawks to get. Uh, you know, he, he's Dante probably my Porter favorite thirty-five
0: a, target is uh, Chuma.
1: Tate Porter. J- Jontae Porter is a lottery talent, you know, but, you know, he's an injury risk. But at the same time, like, you know, in the second round, sign me up. Nick Claxton. The Hawks can absolutely trade their three second round draft picks to trade up to get Nick Claxton somewhere in the f- first round. And that guy, super talented. He has no offensive skill, even though, you know, people think he can dribble. Like, I, yeah. It's because they asked him to,
0: month. you know, that was a weird, that's a really weird evaluation as someone who had to watch him a lot. Um, Tom Crean like had him trying to create and he he couldn't do it but but because he was asked to he has a lot more tape of him doing that than most big men have so it's like okay is it better to have tape of yourself doing something if you're not great at it or is it better to never do it like most of the bigs in this class just don't ever do that. Like Daniel, like for instance, like comparing him to like Daniel Gafford, who's like a pure role man, traditional five, occasional post up, maybe, but like he's not ever doing the stuff that Claxton was asked to do, and it just it's really interesting evaluation. Like Claxton's values <laughs> with defense really, but I mean, oh yeah. to your point about trading up, like the only problem with this is that because Schlenk said it, and because it's been a popular notion forever to, to just trade all three picks up for for a first rounder. A lot of people assume that that's just an easy easy thing to do, and you have to find someone to take that trade down. Like you need to find a team that wants to trade down and take three, at least two, maybe three second round picks, and those picks are not always ones that teams love to have. Like there are, there are there are teams like Cleveland that could use all like could use the multiple swings. Like if the Cavs who are at twenty six. Wanted to go down and take a bunch of swings because because their roster is just such a disaster right now. That makes sense. But like a good team, most of the t- most of the time, the teams in picking in the late twenties are good, and they don't want three second round picks. Like Milwaukee doesn't want three second round picks. They don't want that. Um, or San, or San Antonio or whoever else those teams are. That they, they don't want to take multiple swings. They want to they want to get one guy. So you, you need to kind of have to thread the needle a little bit on trading up. And that's why Schlenk was like, "We want to do this. We don't know if we can." Agree. Agree. Um. All right. We could. We could probably wrap it up. It's just. Um. I got. Oh. Last thing. You know. We've said a lot of things. Um. I was gonna ask you like what a what a reasonable perfect draft looks like for you. Like you know clearly it's well, Zion is not on the board here. Um. But like well, you know that's the
1: perfect draft, Brad. I don't. Well, oh, I know. I don't have anything else to add. So. If they, <laughs> nah, but go ahead. Go ahead.
0: If, if they if they trade up. Um. I guess. Give me the if they trade up or if they don't trade up scenario. And, you know, what does what a reasonable, like, A-plus draft look like for you as we talk about this on Friday?
1: Um, So reasonable, probably end up with Culver. Like, I, ultimately, the perfect draft, they end up with um, two of Culver and, you know, two of Culver and then another of the big wings that we had discussed earlier, little. Cam Reddish or you know DeAndre Hunter, they can somehow pull that off. Uh, Or you know, damn, this is harder than I thought. Just on the spot, so it's really hard. All right, so they get yeah, they get Culver, then at seventeen, they get one of the three bigs I talked about or little, um, and then really from there it's just you know whoever they whoever they like you know Kiki or Nick Claxton. Or a Jonte Porter or I mean there's just a bunch of there's a bunch of solid guys in this draft and uh you know Kevin Porter, I'll add him, Kelvin Johnson. If they if they can just get one of those names that I've listed, like if they can get like three of the guy three out of all the people that we've been talking about it's a great draft to me. Like, at the end of the the day, they get three out of those guys. uh, I guess that's the best way I can put it. It's so hard. It's really hard to do because you just don't know. I mean, this goes back to the original point. We really don't know what Schlank wants to do. You know, um, Javoni, he gave us the report that the Hawks were aggressively looking to trade up from 8 to 10. I remember uh, what Javoni was all over. The Hawks were all in on Jaron Jackson Jr., Until, you know, that, like, Jared Jackson Jr. hype was all over the place for the Hawks all last, you know, last draft season until apparently it swiftly turned to Trey Young. Yeah, Um, and and I I do
0: think that at the end of the day, I think the Hawks draft board last year legitimately might have been Doncic, Young, Jackson, in that order. Um, But clearly they liked Young more than Jackson. Um, So that's... Yeah, that's one of those things where this year we to sort of bring it full circle. There's a lot of stuff out there, and some of it is true almost certainly, and a lot of it could be true. But there still has to be preferences somewhere along the way. So like, they can like. It's very possible Travis Schlink likes all of these guys. He might like Culver, Hunter, Reddish, um, you know, Barrett, whoever else. But. There's a there's there's still a draft board at the end of the day that they're going to be going on we don't, we don't that's the part that we don't know so if you know all the fans they're like we well, we don't know what he's going to do but we trust Travis okay that's fine I, I totally understand that but the part we don't know is the draft board we might know who, who he likes I've heard so many times that he likes Reddish and Culver that I'm I'm pretty confident that they like that they like Reddish and Culver but how much uh, that's the part that I don't know, and I'm not going to know until we see what they do on Thursday. That's all, that's the only way to find out. Because even if, if if for some reason they they can't pull off a trade, they're not going to come in Thursday night. Travis Like's not going to address the media and say, "Well, we really what, what we really want to do was was trade up for Jared Culver, but we, we couldn't do it." They're not going to say that. If that if they if they stay at eight and draft Cam Reddish, they're going to talk about how thrilled they were to get Cam Reddish at eight. That's that's the way this works. <laughs> but um, yeah, I mean. To your point, I think we're pretty closely aligned on like what a, what a good draft is going to look like. I am certainly resigned to the fact that they're probably going to trade up. I'm okay with it if it's for Culver, to be sure. Uh, and you know, if, they, if you if you get somebody that's uh, a top 15 guy for me at 17, like all those guys are that you named, whether it be Little, Batadzi, Jackson Hayes, Brandon Clark, you know, and if all those guys are gone, take the best wing available. Probably, or maybe Grant Williams, uh, your your favorite son, Grant Williams. Um, But yeah, it's. uh, I like Grant Williams. I I like Grant Williams.
1: Can can we put that? I like Brandon Clark too. I know you do. I just want I I don't want to draft him at ten. That's there's a I think there's a strong difference. And we're
0: actually uh, we're actually I mean, if they drafted Clark at ten, I would not kill that pick whatsoever. Williams, that's too high. But and even then, I would not take Clark at ten. I would take. uh, I have. I have. Gogo Batadze ahead of him, for instance. Um, that would be the guy that I would take. If the Hawks stay... By the way, just for the record here, if the Hawks stay at 8, 10, 17, I think a perfect draft looks kind of like Cam Reddish at 8, either Nasir, either Nasir Little or Gogo batazzi at 10, and then, you know, best player available at 17, whether it be Clark or Kilton Johnson, Kevin Porter, however you want to do that. That'd be what I would do. I would try to pair you know, Reddish would be the guy who I would take at 8 if the Hawks are still there, provided that he's available cuz I think he probably will be. And then from there you just go best player available. Um Agreed. with the exception of point guard which is just kind of what we know at this point in time. Yep. All right, man, well we've uh, covered a lot of ground. I appreciate this uh, semi-emergency podcast that I uh, I summoned you to do with me this
1: evening. Uh please. So we're so we're not going to talk about the Kevin Love. <laughs> Uh, I mean, is it worth is it worth talking about it? No, no, it's not happening. It's, it's not. not I
0: mean, it. listen, I'm not trying to disparage anybody's reporting. I, you know, I don't know. People were asking me to shoot down the Kevin Love rumor. If you didn't see this, I tweeted about it a little so you can go back and, try and find it on my Twitter account. I couldn't, I couldn't say that it wasn't true because I've not heard anything about that. All I was saying is that it didn't make sense. I can't tell anyone that the reporting is wrong because I just, I don't know that to be true. Um, I would just say that Kevin Love makes a lot of money for a long time. <laughs> and that uh, that's a that's a roadblock if you're talking about trading for Kevin Love. Like maybe there's a price where I you agree. do it, but uh, that's not a, that's not a good contract, especially when you factor in where the Hawks are in their timeline, the fit, all that stuff. He's good at basketball still, if, but
1: yeah. yeah, if the Hawks were to do it, like they're not giving up two first round draft picks. Oh no, uh, that's not. Move up. Yeah, that that's the thing. So like if that if that were on the table, like the Hawks might give up 17, which you know, even then might be, you know might be interesting. But uh
0: yeah, yeah.
1: Nothing nothing really else to discuss on that one.
0: No, I just wanted to I'm glad you I'm glad you remember because I kind of forgot to even bring it up as a as something to I guess fly by. So we we discussed it briefly on the podcast. I can say that I talked about it and addressed it. And listen, if they trade for Kevin Love on Thursday, we'll talk more about that uh when it happens. But um all right, man. Well thank you, Tyler. Please plug yourself and your other more uh, frequent podcast that you do with Kevin and uh, anything else that you want to man.
1: Yeah, I moved, you know, I finally got wifi up here in Memphis, Tennessee. So, um, uh, I can do podcasts again. Uh, so if you guys wondering where I've been for the last couple of weeks, I, I was, you know, in more or less in transit. And so you can follow me at Jonesy two X four where I, you know, spend a couple, a couple 400. So worth talking about attack on Titan um it's it's still a good show but it it does have its issues if you want to know more about them you know you can follow me at jonesy2x4 on twitter um and then you can listen to me you know talk about the draft with kevin um kevin Chenard, KL Chenard on twitter at atl and 29 a p street hoops podcast uh so you can follow me there as well and Yep. That's, that's about it for me. Now it's, you know, it's, I'm still hungry. I need to start eating again because it's been a long day. (laughs) ATL
0: and 29 is worth a listen. I listened to uh, the last pod with uh, you guys uh, earlier this morning. So you're pulling double duty and I appreciate it. Thank you for the time, my friend. And uh, I'm sure we'll be talking at some point. By the way, I got a, I got a message. This will end with this. I got a uh, message that thought that you and I didn't like each other, which I thought was hilarious.
1: Oh man, we super hate each other, guys. I guess it's because we argue so much. <laughs> how many like, podcasts? How many podcasts have we done? Well, right we that, that was that
0: was my first response. We I was like, well, yeah, it was my, my first response was, well, we, he's been on my podcast like ten times. Um, but uh, no, how I think long it's, do we
1: talk? This is our shortest podcast,
0: and it's like forty five minutes. <laughs> yeah, I mean, exactly. And, and, like and also, long. it's <laughs> I, I'm sure it's because you and I argue a lot on Twitter, but that's because you know you're one of the few people that i can argue with on a high level that's that's i really enjoy it actually we don't always agree but it's always uh it's always in fun so if, if anyone thinks that Tom and i are actually like have some malice we, we do not we enjoy each other so
1: there no, you go of course not.
0: <laughs> all right man thank you so much as for everybody else please subscribe to this podcast i uh i think i'm gonna do another podcast tomorrow night i'm not sure what it's gonna be it might just be me give you my final thoughts. Uh, maybe we'll get another rumor or something like that, but uh, stay tuned for that. If nothing else, the latest will will, that we'll be back is Thursday evening after the draft. I'll be at uh, down Emery Emory, so that'll be fun. And uh, we'll talk then, so please stay tuned for that.